On this week's episode of the best podcast in the minors, we revisit the pitch clock conversation we had last week after some insight from minor leaguers impact our understanding of the rules. Juan Yepes was called up. We talk about his minor league experience. And then we talk to Alec Burleson before getting into April month in review. All coming up now. Podcast the Miners. I am producer Carter, and I am with your host Daniel Guerrero. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing good today, Carter. I know we have a lot to talk about, and yeah, I mean I'm excited to get into it, and excited to be back here in the little podcast studio. We do have a busy week. We're very excited. We're going to follow up our first interview with Nolan Gorman. We have another interview today with top ten Cardinals prospect, currently playing in Memphis, Alec Burleson. He was kind of like a person we thought might get a shot out of spring training to make the major league roster like he was one of those guys we talked about right yeah he was uh, somebody who did get some playing time in the grapefruit league and uh, he got some good looks uh, by the major league coaching staff and i mean he was drafted in 2020 if i'm not mistaken and he played at three different levels he played at high a double a and triple a last year he hit at all three levels which you know is impressive to you know kind of go through that i mean he played at eastern carolina university and now he's he's off to a good start and one of the things that he had talked about in the preseason that he wanted to work on and it's showing now it's improved defense i mean and some good plays this year and that's something that we'll we'll get into before we get to that we're gonna get to two things first there is some breaking news well i guess breaking is you know at this point it's development well, i mean it's news at, yeah at this point you've all seen him play a game you've seen him get his first major league hit Juan yepes was called up to the majors making his major league debut at this point as we record he's hit a double his first major league hit can you tell us about juan and what led to this call up yeah i mean juan yepes is actually the way memphis manager ben johnson kind of described him as he always comes to the ballpark with a good attitude he's not somebody who who lets things bring him down and when i met him i mean i got that sense from him and um obviously you know he was kind of looked at as somebody who was gonna take the right-handed hitting dh job for the cardinals and then you know a lot of things happened i mean it wasn't the best spring for him he kind of struggled and then Albert gets signed and Juan Yepes begins in Memphis but uh he's hit the ball really well in AAA and that played a factor into you know why he was called up obviously there are other issues going mm-hmm. on with the Cardinals with positive COVID cases that are coming out of the organization and Yepes got the call I mean he's been on uh, he's been on pretty much like a, a tear lately his full season stats which I'll give you here in a second don't accurately represent how hot he's been of late he's hitting 279 he has nine home runs and 21 strikeouts over the course of the season but as you pointed out in your hits and misses this past week he's hit like over the last 17 games he's had seven home runs he's hitting like 385 he has really turned around his 
season, I guess turned around is about like he 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 got out of he, a slow start. He, yeah, and, he he overcame yeah. the disappointing start to his season. That was something I know uh, John Mozeliak mentioned yesterday when he met with the media that Juan Yepes didn't sulk mm-hmm. too long. Ben Johnson said the same thing that I mean he said Juan was disappointed and he's like and that he didn't make the opening day roster, but it wasn't something that he let hold him down. As Carter said, just in the last 17 games, Yepes has driven in 21 runs. He was hitting 328 and over the last 64 at bats in AAA, he had seven home runs yesterday before he got called up he hit a three-run homer that cleared bullpen in left center field at AutoZone Park and I mean it was just Not a, a it, was just, it was just it was just a monster shot yeah and then he, he gets called up and gets on a plane to Kansas City and today he finds himself in the starting lineup and gets his first big league hit in his first at bat and it's he's hitting fifth and playing left field just another guy who can come up he can probably play both corner outfield positions yeah he was actually playing third base yesterday when when he got the call Even so more. I mean he mm-hmm. played third base I mean uh I mean, defensively, obviously, that was one of the things that they tried to work on, and he tried to work on mm-hmm. in spring training. And uh, but I mean, if your bat can play, that's that's something that's going to get people's attention. They're going to find a spot for you. Yeah. If you if you can hit, they're going to find a spot for you. Anything to add here as we close out? Yep, I was getting called up before we talk a little bit more about the pitch clock. I mean, just with Juan, it's, it's one of those things where you you look at what what he can add to the roster. And as long as he plays well, it kind of gives you a sense that, you know, this guy can be a contributor at the major league level. And that's something that obviously the organization was hoping for. I mean, he was named a co-minor league player of the year from last season. I mean, he shared that award with Jordan Walker, who obviously is, you know, one of the organization's top prospects, is off to a great start. And for Yepes to kind of be looked at in that, I guess, like echelon of category of pro- of minor leaguers and that kind of level of a prospect. Right. And to know that he can contribute at different positions. And if his bat can play and if he can play the field, I mean, it's somebody who, who can definitely add to, to a club that's looking to contend this year. The only unfortunate thing is that this major league assignment, his being called up, feels very time limited. Yes. They want him to get at bats. They want him to play every day. Just like I'm sure they want all of their minor league, you know, top prospects to play every day. And unfortunately, when you are a left fielder or out an outfielder, excuse me, and maybe you add a little third base to your repertoire, there isn't a whole lot of at-bats at the major league level. On an everyday perspective, you're going to have O'Neill, Bader, Carlson, third base is going to be Arenado. And then you have Brendan Donovan... Mm -hmm. who can play all of these same positions as your utility guy to kind of start building in some off days. And then you have, you look at the DH role, you have Pujols, you have Dickerson, not a whole lot of at-bats on the everyday everyday level. And that's only when you're not DHing for your other stars who need playing time. So it's really good that he's getting major league experience right now because you're going to need him at some point this season, Mm -hmm. whether it's injury, whether it's another COVID outbreak, whether it's, you know, roster changing moves that, you know, could come down the line at any point. But it it does feel almost unfortunate that no matter how well Yepes plays, unless he really the ball like unless he really like yeah it's like unless he like really proves that like in in a a two-week span that he's absolutely essential to the cardinals offense it feels like he's gonna get sent down in two weeks which is par for the course that's that's part of the lifestyle yeah it's one of those things because i mean you hear the kind of that that philosophy of you know having a guy who can play multiple multiple positions and Mm -hmm. you know when goldschmidt needs a day off or or Mm -hmm. not needs a day off i mean somebody who can slot there but i mean there's only so many extra guys you can have on that bench just so many spots on a major league roster especially now that rosters went from 28 to 26 and it's great to have players in the minor leagues at the AAA level who can play in the major leagues who are versatile but there's only so many spots i mean it's it's just kind of the the way the rosters are shaped and with the way opportunities are limited like you said i mean Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what he can do right you know right now because i mean that that's something that obviously for any prospect i mean it's kind of what you can do right now and obviously there's looked at as kind of you know maybe this guy doesn't do good but it's potential but i mean if you can deliver and the you know once you arrive then you know who know who knows where what what can happen it's a conversation for another 
another day. But at some point, unfortunately, when you look at the depth of prospects that they have, the farm system isn't the deepest in the major leagues, but it's a very good farm system. Mm-hmm. And you, you only have so many roster spots, like you were saying. Like, there's 26 guys on the roster. Only one guy can play every day. At some point, we're going to have to look at some of these guys like Yepes. Like, you know, you, you go down the list and see, which, okay, so which guys are future pieces? Like, Nolan Gorman is very clearly a piece for this Cardinals team that will be successful in their immediate future, whether it's this year or next year. Jordan Walker, I think they project being another one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But how many guys like Yepes or, 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 or Donovan or, you know, whoever are trade pieces? And giving the major league opportunities to prove to other teams who have assets that you need things like pitching, things like I mean, pitching is probably the primarily one on the, on, the, on this roster because you pretty much have solidified the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. If Yepes plays really, really well, all of a sudden his market value is going to go way, way up. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. But that's a conversation, I think, for a more complete conversation to have for another day. Mm-hmm. The pitch clock. I wanted to bring this back up because since we last spoke about it a week ago, there have been some conversations that have happened on social media with minor league players, specifically pitchers, who have complained about it. And for the most part, the complaints are that the flow of the game has been really taken away. Pitchers are really focused on having not just pitching, but really like adhering to the pitch clock. And umpires are still very much getting used to it as well i think we've seen a lot of clips on social media of guys getting called out on strike three for stepping out of the box or taking walks for not being ready because the pitcher isn't ready and things like that have you seen something similar and what is your take on minor leaguers maybe not loving this pitch clock system that we're seeing at the minor league level so i think it's it's an experimental thing right this wasn't something that i mean obviously everybody was going to be adjusted to it's something new that all around the minors i mean it's there's going to be a learn there was going to be a learning curve there was going to be some flaws and some tweaks that you need to make and the thing that kind of strikes me is that like i guess it's kind of like what you're willing to sacrifice for changes that are viewed by many as necessary to the game just Mm -hmm. because as a consumer as a as a fan you know three three and a half hour games are only so interesting not sustainable just because the way the the sport flows i mean if you know i know people talk about like oh football and basketball but it's like those are you know constant moving hockey games i mean yeah the the ball the ball doesn't stop there is a clock and the clock keeps keeps running so there is a sense of urgency but baseball Mm -hmm. it's always been different i mean it's always just been kind of the pitcher can control the game if he wants to slow it down he can if he wants to speed it up he can and now the guys who were used to slowing it down are trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to do this? And batters who are used to, you know, calling time and stepping out and, mm-hmm. you know, putting a little bit of extra, you know... Uh, Interrupting pitchers' rhythm. Yeah, checking yeah. out their bats and knocking the dirt off their cleats. It's not, Now it's... You just got to be ready. And that's just something that... It's one of those things, like I said, it's kind of a trade-off where it's like, do you... Like, how, how much do you want to, like, change the game to make it more, like, appealing to fans? Um, and just kind of what you're sacrificing. And obviously, it's something that, you know, if players can adjust to and players can, can find, you know, find find a way to still play to the best of their abilities under, it's... I mean, I, I think the pitch clock is probably something that, that could be I mean, here to stay. I mean, I know we've heard it might be making its way to... I mean, not, not that we heard anything, but, like, speculation is mm-hmm. that, you know, next year is going to be the year that the pitch clock could be introduced. I mean, and what what will that look like? I mean, I don't know. You know, who knows? I mean, it, mm-hmm. ba- baseball's changing. And that's one of the things that I kind of got the sense from talking to the different players for that story that I wrote, just that the game is changing and a lot of it's forcing everybody to adapt. We talked about it last week and said that there were going to be kinks that needed to be worked out. They're going to have to tweak some things to make it work perfectly. I'm confident that when 
for example, the NBA moved from no shot clock to a 24-second, 30-second shot clock. Guys were talking about how rushed they felt to make the offense happen. I'm sure the same thing happens when the play clock in football was introduced. Guys talk about being rushed. Guys talk about not having time. And you adapt. I don't want to be too rude to these like individual minor leaguers who are voicing their, their concern and, and their displeasure with the pitch clock. Unfortunately, that's the problem with being a minor leaguer. You're going to be a guinea pig. And they're going to make it work. They're going to make it right in order to make baseball as a game more sustainable, like you were saying, right? Like... The, a change needs to come from an entertainment value to keep the game growing and adapting and moving and it's unfortunate that these minor leaguers are the ones who while not being paid adequately and are living you know very difficult lifestyles they're the ones who have to deal with it and and their performance has to deal with it unfortunately that's just the way it has to go at this point you have to find the solutions now let's get to alec burleson can you set this set this interview up a little bit give us some context as to when you talk to him what you thought of him before we send it over to that interview i think one of the things that struck me was that you know being able to to kind of get some insight on how you know how he's felt this year and kind of what are the things that he he's he's done to to get there and just not only that but i mean especially at the plate i mean ollie marmel and ben johnson both said that alec burleson is a guy who has a pro at bat every time he steps into the box and i mean for being somebody who you know is still in the minor leagues and has really only spent a, ye- a full year of of being in the minors you know he's a guy he's 23 years old so it's it's just interesting to hear how a guy who you know played at you know division one baseball at eastern carolina and played at three different minor league levels last year kind of is viewed like that and uh by a couple of you know coaches in the organization and one being marmol who's you know the big league manager. So let's send it over to that interview right now. So just first off, Alec, uh, starting the season in AAA, what is kind of the it been like for this first month of the year? It's been great. I think, uh, you know, taking last year into this year, uh, you know, kind of, you know, rose through the ranks pretty fast last year. And, you know, game kind of sped up on me a little bit. But I think, you know, taking that, taking my experience from last year and, and using that, to this point right now, it's been really good. So feeling good. And you mentioned that going kind of through the ranks from high A, double to triple A, I mean, you're drafted in 2020. I'm just, what has that experience been like for you? Cause I mean, I know there wasn't a season in 2020 um, when you were drafted from East Carolina and just kind of going through the three different levels. I mean, what has kind of that been like? I mean, I, I wouldn't, obviously wouldn't have it any other way. I think, you know, it was a lot faster than I expected. But, you know, like I said, it was great, you know, um, a lot of traveling around and not really being able to get comfortable. But like I said, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I think it was, um, you know, I think it was the best thing for my career because I was able to get here and and get comfortable a lot quicker than, than, you know, you usually would be able to. But no, it, it was great. I think it only benefited me for sure going into this year. Do you know where that comfortability kind of comes from for you to just be able to adjust at the different I mean, levels? Because I know they're, I mean, with each step, it's kind of a higher level of play. I mean, and just I'm being able to kind of hit it all with, with each different, you know, affiliate. Just to, is there anywhere, you know, where you kind of attribute that, where it comes from? Um, No, I wouldn't say I would attribute anything. I think, you know, moving up through the, from high A to double A and triple A, you know, the staffs have been great up and down. And I think they, you know, they were a reason why I was able to adjust pretty quickly. And but no, I, and and then you've got the guys too. Uh, you know, the guys I played with coming up, and um, you know, everybody's super supportive wherever wherever you're at. And it's just a Cardinals are a great organization to be in. And I mean, that's what I would attribute it to, I guess, is just the organization itself and and the staff that I came in 
came into um, you know came into contact with, and um, you know I would just attribute attribute it to that. And then I mean, just going based off this season, I know in uh, spring training, I think you had talked about. Uh, just kind of improving on defense, and this year I know on opening night you made a diving play to turn a double play in the eighth. Um, just a couple of days ago during Libertor's start, you also made you know a play late in the game. I mean, just what what have you been pleased about? Just kind of on that side of the ball for you. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me was I didn't really you know during BP and stuff I didn't really take it seriously taking balls off the bat and stuff, and that's something that I really you know honed in on during spring training and early this year and. I think it's obviously paid off, but I think, you know, the bat, uh, the bat's going to be the bat, whatever it's going to be. And then, you know, the, the only thing I, I can control on defense is just, you know, getting my reads in and, and trusting in my ability. And I think I've, you know, I've gotten more comfortable out there, obviously, because uh, this last year was really only my second year in the outfield. Um, so I'm definitely getting more comfortable out there and, and trusting in, in my preparation during BP and stuff. But no, it's been, it's been great. You know, I'm, I'm happy with the way I'm playing defense, and but it all just goes back to, you know, BP and pre- preparation. Like outside of just regular whatever defensive work, is there like any extra work that you've been taking, or is it just mainly, like you said, whether it's BP reading balls off the bat or things like that? Yeah, I mean, in, in spring training, you know, I was with uh, Willie, um, and, and he talked to me a lot, and Cheo talked to me a lot, and, you know, just being around those two guys that – really harp on defense uh was good for me and, and you know that gave me you know we did some drills and stuff in spring training that you know i still do here in in memphis and um you know even brandon allen here in in memphis is great with the outfielders and uh just going back to what i said you know the staff around here is very supportive and they want you to grow in every aspect of the game with not just you know offense it's you know offense and defense and um they want you to grow in in both aspects of the game and but i mean just attribute that to those three guys that I mentioned that, you know, really mm-hmm. harped on me to be, be better defense and, um, you know, being able to take that from take what they give me and, and put it into the game. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was just with your bat. I mean, one, uh, I talked to Ben Johnson, I want to say it was about a week and a half ago, maybe, um, I think maybe two weeks ago, but he mentioned about you just have been somebody who has kind of that pro, like has pro at bats who, who can adjust mid at bat and make I mean just make those changes and kind of find like find find like find things at the plate to you know kind of win that battle in in those moments I mean just where where do you feel like that comes from for you I, I think for me you know last year I like I'm going to keep going back to it but it's preparation I think last year I had you know I changed my routine in, in the cage and BP I changed a lot last year trying to like I guess find what fit for me and you know for two weeks I would find something that fit and then you know have a bad game or, or whatever and, you know, try and switch up my routine and, th- and think it's my routine and, you know, just being more mature this year, I, I found a routine that works for me that, you know, and, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not trying to change anything because I know it works and, you know, it, it gives me the best opportunity for success on the field. And I think that's honestly what it comes down to, you know, I, you know, and, and also, you know, talking to BA about scouting reports and stuff that, that has a lot to go into it too, but I mean, the biggest thing for me is trusting my process and my preparation, and I think that's the the biggest thing that's helped me helped me out this year. Is there any like visual or like insight you can give to what that preparation does look like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, the the big word that really in spring training that spoke out to me was recal recalibrate. So it's not so much like I'm trying to 
you know, do do different things, I guess, in my routine. It's just I'm trying to have the same swing and I'm trying to, you know, repeat the same swing and being able to recalibrate that every day when I come into the come into the stadium and, and get my routine in is the biggest thing for me. And, you know, there's a couple, you know, points of emphasis that I, that I you know, have in my swing that, you know, are specific to me that may not, you know, work for other guys, but the biggest word that sticks out to me is recalibrate and just that recalibration process for my swing and making sure that it's the same swing every day. And, you know, the, the only thing different about every day is the pitches that I'm swinging at, uh, the pitcher and the pitches that I'm swinging at. So, uh, just recalibrating every day is really what I'm trying to do. Was that something that was kind of like an organizational thing that everybody preached, or was it like a specific person that would kind of send that message? Um, no, it just – I can't remember who said it in spring training and just maybe – I can't remember who it was, mm-hmm. but that word just really clicked with me. Just recalibrate your swing, not so much, you know, it's all about having a reason why you do things – in the cage and, and the purpose of each drill that you do. And somebody said, you know, I, I, I wish I could remember who it was, mm-hmm. but they said, you know, it's, it's to recalibrate your swing, not so much change your swing, but just recalibrate it. And just taking that mindset into every day is, has really helped me have a consistent swing. And then, you know, like I said, the only thing that affects my, the outcome of the game is what pitches I'm swinging at and, you know, obviously the pitcher. Well, Alec, well, thank you uh, for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you again to Alec Burleson and Memphis PR for helping with that interview. He gives us such an air of professionalism that it makes sense mm-hmm. that when people say he has professional at-bats for being so young, he still he managed to race up the minor leagues. It seems like he has figured out hitting from a professional baseball standpoint, you know, just how to have a good at bat, how to have a good professional at bat. It makes sense that when you look at, you know, what the minor leagues are for, he is up at the highest level because now it's it's less about approach and more about refining your skills and your talent. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's exciting to hear a guy that inexperienced, so to speak, race up the minor leagues. Yeah. And like one of the things that he did say in the interview is that, you know, it's, he heard it in spring training that they're, you know, the the word recalibrate your recalibrate your your swing, you recalibrate your at bat. I mean, it was just something that stuck out to him as he mentioned, and it wasn't, you know, changing your whole approach and changing everything that you do, but just you know making those minor minor tweaks that you need to do, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something that you know helped him kind of shoot up the ranks, um, and kind of yeah, just get mm-hmm. get through those three different levels in his first year, and I mean, just kind of see where it goes. He's somebody who you know could get a look who, you know, is an interesting prospect to keep tabs on. Let's go through April month in review. We are now through the first full month of professional baseball. Let's go through each team at each level and kind of talk about the highs and lows of where they're at. So I'm going to list off their records as we go, and I'll let you chime in and give your impressions on what's going on at each level, guys who stood out, things that you recognize kind of very quickly off the top without getting too deep into the weeds, just things that maybe stood out. At AAA, Memphis is 14-11. and 11. They had a really strong weekend against the Durham Bulls to close out their month. This is kind of where we know where most of our next step major leaguers are. Mm-hmm. So we've talked to Nolan Gorman. Juan Yepes, he was just called up. Matt Libator looks great. Can you kind of tell us about what's going on there? He's turned things around the last couple starts. I mean, he had not. I mean, he didn't have the greatest year last year, and you know that that's kind of 
with being the top pitching prospect in an organization and being that close to the majors, I mean, obviously the question is like, when is he going to get here? And especially with the way the Cardinals rotation kind of shaped out coming out of spring training where it's Jordan Hicks' spot and, you know, the team's kind of experimenting with him transitioning back to being a starter. So, I mean, it's it's natural only to look at Libertor and kind of ask the question of, you know, when is he going to get here? And basically his last three starts, I mean, he hasn't given up a run. He's just been excellent. I mean, he his ERA is at, uh, he has a 318 ERA, one 102 whip he's kind of looking like that top pitching prospect he's been viewed as Springfield is 10 and 12 you know under 500 again we've talked about it before maybe not the most important thing to look at the record and more about what's going on with the players at that level Mm -hmm. some really good stories here tell us about what's going on in Springfield with those guys I mean the biggest name that comes that comes to mind is Jordan Walker well yeah, I mean, obviously Jordan Walker. I mean, when when you he's look the at when name. he's the You're biggest name, right about that. but when yeah. you look at the biggest performance, I mean, Moises Gomez, you can't ignore this guy at this point. Still leading all of minor league baseball in home runs. He has 12. The next closest is Nolan Gorman with 11, and the next closest after that is Juan Yepes at nine, who you know already got his call to the majors. He's just, I, I don't know. I, I guess there there really isn't a way to he's describe rake, what he's, he's doing raking. now. He's, he's yeah, hitting really I mean, he's, really well. He's just yeah. mashing the ball. At some point, it kind of warrant, warrants consideration of you know what the organization believes they have in him. Insane what he's doing to be honest jordan walker i mean i know touched on him and same thing i mean 19 year old in double a and he's also batting above 300 uh i i i think the one thing that that you that you do like just see when you kind of look at the his numbers is just kind of the lack of power i mean he's hitting he's hitting the ball for average and he's kind of hitting the ball to different parts of the field uh he only has one home run and uh, I think he only has one or uh, one or two doubles. Just kind of like that. Those power numbers are kind of not there. But I mean, you can't ignore him batting 324 at 19 years old in Double A. I guess that's one of those things where I mean, obviously he's been impressive. You can really only go up from here, I guess, because yeah. eventually that power is going to come around for him. I mean, obviously it's an adjustment period for him being that young at this level. It'll it'll be. I mean, once the once he kind of regains and re, like finds that form that he felt like he was at last year with the power will come. But yeah, with Palm Beach and yeah and Peoria. I mean, it. I mean, Jordan Walker is going to hit at a high level. I mean, that that's kind of what what you get the sense of. You have a story on STL Pinchets about some stuff going on at the Double A level. Can you give us a little preview of that? What you'll find in it is that Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn didn't feel like. They didn't feel like each of them didn't feel like their swings were where they should be at during spring training. As you see their numbers this year, I mean, I know we talked about Jordan Walker batting uh, 324. Mason Wynn is all is hitting 388 in his first 18 games in Peoria. So obviously something changed, and it turns out that that change were helped by Chandler Redmond, who you know is another minor leaguer in the system. He's in Double A Springfield right now, and they they kind of actually sought him out for help there was no video used when they're trying to fix their swings i mean mm-hmm. um no like rap soto or any of those kind of analytical stuff yeah stuff that people you know use to mm-hmm. to kind of analyze things like that you know just redmond kind of just watch them real uh, fundamental kind of, baseball coach yeah just real fundamental mm-hmm. and and so that that was just interesting to know that a couple of the guys who were top prospect kind of got that help uh, just one of their teammates who and it was just a casual conversation of hey right. like can you just kind of take a look the last of the minor league systems we'll talk about. We're, we're going to talk about Palm Beach a little bit next week when we kind of go over extended spring training. We start talking about the MLB draft and how that relates to how Palm Beach is. Palm Beach is 9-3. and three. That's, all we need, that's all we need to know right now. Uh, 
Peoria is 12 and 10. And what I took away from Peoria is that the guys you want getting innings are getting innings and the guys you want getting at-bats are getting at-bats. Now, you talked a little bit about Mason Wynn. We've talked a lot about Michael McCreevy and Gordon Graceffo. They look awesome. Everything there looks great. Anybody else you really want to talk about at the Peoria level that really stood out? I mean, I think just the biggest thing is Graceffo and McGreevy. I mean, obviously, McGreevy was a Mm first-round pick last year, and there's always an expectation of, you know, a guy who was a top pick or a top international signing to do well, and he's doing well. And I, I think, I mean, Graceffo was kind of the bigger one who, who was a surprise coming out of spring training. He, he turned a lot of heads. I mean, and, and he's all... And he continues to. And he's continuing to do that. I mean, he's leading the Midwest League in ERA. He's second in innings pitch behind uh, McGreevy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's something that obviously is promising for not just him, but the organization. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an arm who, you know, could be fast-tracked, I guess. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. it happen before. To, to see him excelling at this level this quickly is obviously good yeah i mean there there are other obviously there are other guys down in in peoria like a jacob butchberger who is batting 381 he's right there behind mason Wynn and leading the team and in, in batting average yeah i mean he, he's also been kind of a surprise too just because obviously you know there's not a whole lot of attention for or you don't typically see that level of attention for deeper cut prospects. yeah deeper cut prospects yep. but i mean if you can hit i mean maybe that turns some heads let's close out by talking about our three stars and we've mentioned two of them really a depth a lot but i want to talk about the third star a little bit and get your impression on this young man uh the first star of the week is going to be matt levator he's played great last two starts i think he had like what was it 12 plus innings yeah he no had, earned runs yeah in the last two starts it's a back-to-back outings of uh, seven innings and excuse me 14 not, plus innings yeah. yeah and he did not he hasn't given up a run he only gave up six hits in that time three he didn't give up a walk in that first seven inning start he gave up three in the last one but i mean he struck out 16 batters so i mean he's really yeah. found his groove one yepes will be the second star of the week he got his major league call so he deserves a little bit of credit we talked a little bit about this earlier he's been on a real hot streak the minor leagues cut down on his empty at bat strikeouts getting more base hits his average is boosted third star based on frequency of appearances in your hits and misses articles on stl pinch hits is jake walsh who is a reliever from memphis can you tell us a little bit about jake walsh he's ranked 30th in mlb.com's top 30 prospects in the cardinals organization so this isn't we're not talking about a guy who's like a real top of the mind name mm-hmm. he's 26 years old he's in triple a he's a little older for a prospect but he's playing really well in that closer role in memphis yeah and he was someone who i i feel like we've talked about on this podcast before of being on that brink of making the opening day roster i mean he was one of the final cuts um at spring i mean it it was i felt it felt it kind of got the sense that it came down to either him or palante and palante you know won that opening day job and jake walsh hasn't you know let that get to him i know we talked about yepes you know kind of getting over that that down feeling of maybe um you know not making the opening day roster and obviously you know being mm-hmm. that high up in the system, obviously for Jake Walsh, I mean that that's that's what you have in mind. Primary closer for Memphis, and he's he has six saves. He has a point of zero point eight two ERA in eleven innings, and I mean yeah, he's just been he's been pretty dominant. I mean he uh, he's been a very reliable arm for them. He has sixteen strikeouts in that span, and he's someone who I know we've talked about this before, where guys who are that high up in the organization could eventually get their names called, you know, if something happens, whether mm-hmm. it's somebody who gets put on the COVID IL or somebody who just, could, you know, is down for a few days. And especially like in that bullpen, you know, there there might be a time where, you know, guys need a rest or guys are down for a little bit and Jake Walsh could be that next call. It has been a very exciting first month of baseball. We're very excited to be through our first month of the season. Uh, first month of STL pinch hits launch. Uh, we're really excited about what what's to come next, but 
thank you for listening to us for now this first month we're excited for what's coming next week do you have anything to tease coming up about what's stories that are coming up for you in the next week or so um no i mean just keep an eye out for stl pinch hits there's going to be a lot more content whether even even if it's not just minor league content but other exclusive mm-hmm. content for um that app and that website yeah just thank you for listening thank you for following and uh we'll i guess see you next time we'll see you next time yeah